Hey couples, today we're going to talk with you about four signs that your marriage might be in trouble. Tracy, this isn't a really like super positive topic, but it'll, it'll be helpful for couples, especially couples early on in their marriage, or maybe premarital couples, or maybe couples that are thinking about getting engaged. I think it's so helpful for everyone listening to understand what John Gottman calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse, kind of a biblical title there, but he's basically just saying these are, there's these four relationship um, dynamics. Com it's really about communication, communication dynamics that are unhealthy. A couple of them are really obvious. A couple of them are a little bit less obvious, but he says he basically claims that he can predict with 91% accuracy those who are going to stay married and those that are going to end in divorce by just by just noticing these four things. And so let's lay these four things out. Let's be honest about them in our own marriage. And then, you know, maybe let's try to spin this in a positive way for couples. <laughs> I, maybe we should just even start with that. Like, what, what would you say to couples who are like buckling up, ready to probably point fingers at each other or themselves when it comes to these four things we're about ready to reveal? Yeah, I think we need to, our starting point needs to be communication is so important. It's one of the three legs of the stool that we talk about in some of our other resources about a healthy marriage requires good communication. And so even though today has a little bit more of a negative bent, I do think it's important that we learn from the mistakes that we make, because maybe for a lot of couples, you're going to be hearing about these four horsemen and you're going to be like, Oh, the way you're explaining that I, I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a critical person, but Oh my gosh, I do that. Um, I'm realizing right now, like I have this pattern in our communication. Maybe that's why my spouse is always negatively reacting to me and shuts down on me or whatever, because I'm not coming at the conversation in the healthiest way. So this is going to be good couples. This is good for us to learn the things not to do or learn, be, be self-reflective enough to be like, okay, Yep, that's an area where I need to grow. And if I can grow in that area and my spouse is growing in the areas they need to, then our communication is going to improve. So it's okay. This is a little bit more of a negative bent today because I think sometimes we learn more about the things not to do than from the things that are good to do. Okay, so here are the four horsemen. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. So Tracy, let's start with criticism. And maybe we should start by explaining the difference between criticism and complaining. Yeah. So the way Gottman would explain that is a complaint is, of course, if you've been married for any length of time, the reality is you're going to have complaints, right? The, the end result of this is you can never have a complaint or frustration with your spouse. You just have to swallow it. And then that's why you have a healthy marriage. Nope. That's not what we're saying. So a complaint would be a specific behavior or a specific thing that was hurtful to you that you would go to your spouse productively and say, Hey, when you are late to come home from work, when we've got places to be, that's so frustrating to me. Cause number one, I'm thinking, is he safe? Did he get in a car accident? Or number two, I just hate being tardy because I don't want other people to feel like we think our time's more important than theirs. So you're kind of, you're, you're addressing a complaint, which is tardiness. Now, criticism, this is the, this is the negative. The criticism where Gottman would say this gets couples in trouble is you're going beyond the complaint. You're tardy. I worry about your safety. I hate being late because I don't want people to think we don't care about them. A criticism would be 
you're selfish, you never think about anyone but yourself, you never think about me, and you kind of go beyond the complaint of tardiness to start talking about things you don't like about their personality or making accusations about your spouse and who they are as a person. And so you can see that could get derailed real fast. So it becomes more of an attack on their character than, than just, uh, hey, let me help you with this this maybe blind spot in your life. One of the things that Gottman also says is that that a lot of times it com- goes along with generalizations, like mm-hmm. the always and the never. You never listen to me, or you always prioritize your needs over mine. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. When you're starting to do that, now we're pointing fingers, we're generalizing, and it. it I think it just makes your spouse. It puts your spouse, your loved one, in a position where it's really hard for them to react pos- positively. Well, yeah, and you can see how then conversations and conflicts derail really fast. If one or both of you are just critical and now you're just kind of lodging, you know, bullets at each other of just things you don't like or, or just, you know, saying things like, like you said, the overgeneralizations. Okay. Now you're now the focus of your argument and your fighting is now on these things you're saying that are critical rather than the original issue. So that's where as couples, if you want to grow in communication, you have to make the choice to say criticism is coming from a place in my heart that I want to hurt my spouse because they've made me mad or annoyed me. I'm going to hurt you. So I'm going to be critical. And, and let's be honest, couples, we know the buttons to press with our spouse. We know the areas of insecurities or things that they are you know, sensitive about. We push those because the spirit of criticism is I'm mad at you. So now I'm going to inflict some kind of pain on you. And I'm going to let you know the things I don't really like about you. That doesn't build trust. That doesn't build a bridge to good communication. And you can see why Gottman would watch that in the love lab, watching couples interact and having a conflict and can see when one or both are critical, that's going to snowball over time. Maybe that's you where you're never really resolving anything and you're just hurting each other with your words. And we, we, I'm sure that every person listening knows that couple where the wife is critical or the husband is critical and the other one just takes it. I, I mean, I think if they're both super critical, we know those couples as well. But I, what comes to mind for me more is a couple where one of them is critical, the other one's not. So like, what's that about? Why is the other person in that relationship allowing themselves to be a doormat? These are just some of the dynamics that play out that maybe the other spouse is like, it's not worth it because it it never resolves. So I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. I'm just going to take it. I'm not, I'm going to just ignore those words or those criticisms. But, but the truth is over time, that that's not going to work at some point, those things that you've kind of stuffed down or tolerated or put up with is going to come out somehow, some way, which is why Gottman says criticism is one of the number one signs of marriages in trouble. If you do not address it, if you are not honest, if you don't say like the, your critical spirit towards me is really hurtful, we've got to find a different way to communicate about these things and do more complaints, not criticalness. Or our marriage could really be in trouble. Okay, so then the critical, let's play this out. The critical person then says, well, but here's why. Mm -hmm. Here's why. And maybe some of their reasons are, well, it's because you never meet my expectations. Well, they're they're being critical again. But but what if there's truth to that? What if what if there are unresolved conflicts that never get resolved? And I guess the 
I mean, just to try to play devil's advocate for the critical person, there's a real re I mean, maybe some of the reason is emotional baggage from their own past that might not have anything to do with the current relationship, but some of the reasons might legitimately have to do with an overly passive spouse or a non-communicative spouse or whatever. What would you say to that person or to that couple in that situation? You got to fight for a healthy marriage. So if you feel like you're in this communication pattern where you're trying, you're trying to be um, communicative and clear, you're trying to come with complaints and being productive and your spouse still doesn't respond or doesn't, doesn't listen or whatever, and no change happens. Then that's when you need to say, we need to go outside of the marriage to a counselor, trusted marriage mentoring couple, or somebody to help us with this, because we need another layer of accountability of how are, this can't continue. I don't, I'm feeling like I'm at a loss. Now, one of the recommendations that Gottman gives is that the critical partner then should learn how to use. We talked about this in our in our marriage basics. This is this is really basic communication skills, but let's go back to it. Is to use I statements. I feel because I feel unheard when, or I I would appreciate it. I would appreciate it if you did this. So those are new skills for the critical person to utilize if they're trying to over, overcome their criticism, what are some of the skills for the other person? Well, the other person needs to listen, to be teachable, to be humble, but maybe you've got your own perspective and your own thing of, well, I feel like when you've come to me with a complaint, it I hear criticism because it comes across this way, or it's your tone of voice, or it's your body language. Like there's there's lots of things. I mean, communication, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in both of you. So what would be good is to be able to kind of dissect maybe the last argument you had, like, why did that go off the rails so fast? Well, you you had a critical tone with me. Okay, well, tell me what, what does that mean? Because I didn't, I mean, Brian, you and I have had this conversation where you'll say it's like your tone. I'm like, I didn't even know I had a tone. I'm sorry, let me let me try that again. That if both people are trying to really understand the heart of the other person, then when we trip up or we make a mistake or we come across in a way that sounds critical or not, not safe or whatever, that, that the other spouse needs to say, okay, that's an example like your tone or your body language makes me feel like we're not having a back and forth conversation where we're both listening to each other. And again, it might take going outside of your marriage to have somebody else kind of help watch how your dynamics are going. That's why the Love Lab for the Gottman Institute is so powerful because they can sit there and observe a couple over a period of days watching how their interactions and introducing different things to see how they respond that may, they might be able to say like, no, I can hear your tone of voice does seem a little aggressive there. Or you just seem like you're shutting down. I feel like how your spouse just presented that complaint. Why can't you hear it? Why can't you respond to it? Well, yeah, c couldn't it be true that I, I would imagine that a lot of times a critical spouse, their response to this might be, I don't think I'm being critical. I think my spouse is oversensitive. And so, you know, with in the absence of sitting down with a couple and talking through criticism in this dynamic, like what are some generalizations that we could give to a couple who's just listening to the podcast? Well, I don't, I, what I would say is you, it doesn't really matter, critical spouse, if you think you're not critical. <laughs> if, you're, if your spouse feels not safe by the way you're communicating that, then, then you have to 
hear that and be willing to say, okay, then maybe we need to let somebody else help us weigh in because I don't see it or I don't understand it. I mean, honestly, I don't really know what else to say to that, except the, the point of healthy communication is you guys have to work together to make it work. So one of you may, might be a little oversensitive at times. So, okay, in a safe way, be able to say, like, I feel like I said that, how you've asked me to say it, and yet I still feel like you're responding like I'm being overly critical. So what what are we missing from this? Or is this maybe something that the other spouse needs to say, I don't know, let me think on it for a few minutes. Let me take a time out to realize why am I still reacting to that? Because then maybe it's something you need to look at in yourself that you don't want to be teachable or humble. Yeah, the truth is that so much of this is about, you know, there's it takes two to tango here. So while it it's certainly true that one spouse could be critical, the other one could be oversensitive, but the dynamic that that is working out in that scenario then just gets more and more complicated. Then you have more and more resentment, probably on both sides. And so if you're not really talking this through, if you don't, if you don't have the skill of sitting down and saying, okay, that just felt really critical to me, right? So spouse A says that spouse B, if they're going to react in defensiveness, then, then you're done. There's no, you can't, have the conversation anymore. So a lot of this, and we're going to talk about this, but a lot of this is just really being committed to, look, we're on the same page. We're shoulder to shoulder here. Let's work through this. Let's really try to hear each other so that we can come up with a solution that we're both good with. But in our marriage, Tracy, a lot of it was you when you recognize that's critical. When I learned to say that, when I learned to say that feels, here's how that feels to me, rather than just sort of withdrawing, um, and being resentful, when I learned how to use my words a little bit better, it really helped our marriage because we we both were on the same page trying to work through this together. A lot of listeners don't have that skill. They, they're not married to a, a person with a master's in counseling, which I am. So I'm lucky that you were patient. You were able to kind of coach me through some of that stuff. Whether it was my issue or your issue, it didn't matter. We had the ability now to say, okay, good, let's start, let's work on this together. So many couples don't have that. And so they're 10, 20, 30 years into their marriage. And now some of those habits are formed in their marriage and it, it's just even harder to break. So the message to those couples is it's never, it's never too late if you humble yourselves and sit down and say, let's just, could we just hit the reset button and can we work on not being critical. Can we work on this part? We both can agree that this is a problem. Maybe one spouse is more critical than the other. Let's work on it. I'm not trying to point fingers, but let's work on it together. The good news is you really can work on it. So that's the first horseman being critical. The second one, Tracy, I think is more insidious. It might not be more common, but it's more insidious and it's contempt. And this is really destructive because it, a lot of times it involves a deep sense of disrespect, superiority, disdain even toward your partner. Well, and this is what happens when criticalness kind of runs amok in your relationship. And if that's the way you guys approach conflict is you just look to tear the other person down or nitpick the things that you don't like about them, then that will grow into contempt where now, now you kind of view your spouse like you're weak, you're oversensitive or you're overcritical and mean. And now that criticalness that we have is growing into this thing where we kind of view ourselves to be better than our spouse, that we're viewing them with disrespect. And like you said, disdain is a good word. That's it's a pretty descriptive word. Again, couples, you can see how if I'm looking at you, Brian, with contempt, there isn't a lot of love there. 
There isn't going to be a lot of great communication if I'm looking at you thinking like, you're pitiful, you're weak, you're lame, you're mean, you're not as smart as me, you're not as insightful as me, whatever, whatever it might be. That's not going to go well for, for healthy communication moving forward. Okay, but what if it's, uh, I'm just trying to think about the, the partner with contempt for their spouse. What if it's true? What if, what if their attitude is, but it's true. My, my spouse keeps messing up. They keep um, failing to earn my respect. They keep making choices that aren't helpful. They, they can't hold a job. I mean, whatever. I don't know. Whatever the things are that create contempt, sometimes they're really uh, kind of big, deep things. Sometimes maybe they're just small, regular, everyday habits. What would you say to the spouse who says, I... I feel like it's truthful. I, I, it might come across as contempt, but it feels authentic to me. This is what the challenge of marriage is, that you have chosen to partner in life with somebody that's different than you, that some, maybe some of those traits were at one point endearing to you, now are annoying to you, but it will not take you down a good road to feed contempt. So this is where maybe you need to go back and listen to our boundary series, because if you do feel like your spouse does have some things where, like you're saying, repeat offender, kind of making a lot of the same mistakes over and over again, that then that's where boundary conversations would come in to say, I don't want my heart to become contemptuous towards you. I don't want to not like you because you are stuck in this addiction or whatever. But I need to draw the boundaries I need to draw to protect myself, but also to give you the boundaries of what I'm going to need from you for us to continue to move forward, building a healthy marriage. And, and again, this might be something that you draw on a professional counselor or a marriage mentoring couple to help you. But at the end of the day, contempt is something in your own heart. So your spouse might be making mistakes, but you choose to have contempt. You choose to have hate and disdain for your spouse. And if you stay in that place, again, you can see how Gottman would say, that's one of the four communication patterns that's going to lead to divorce because you can't be in a trusting, loving relationship where you can resolve conflict in a, in a healthy way if you have disdain and contempt for your spouse and your spouse can feel it. Okay, so what would you say to the Spouse who's listening to this who feels contempt, but maybe maybe they've masked it well. There might be some couples listening right now where one or both is saying, I f- "I'm feeling this well up in me. How do I how do I nip this in the bud? What do I do? Do I bring this? Do I bring this up? I don't want to hurt their feelings. I you know again, it's not always so black and white. For some couples, even really probably for some people, Tracy, they might feel contempt. Maybe they didn't even know what. Mm-hmm. what the word was, but now they're like, I think maybe I'd feel that, but I don't, I don't know how to address this without creating more problems. It, you know, right. If there's a root issue here to the, con- to the contempt that I'm sensing, um, it, maybe it's a moral thing. Maybe it's an intellectual thing. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a habit that they just can't, you know, they, they, you know, they, <laughs> the the way they do the toothpaste do you do you just squeeze it do you roll it up you know i mean that's obviously a dumb example but <laughs> it could be a dumb example it could be a big example but i what would you say to the person who is is not sure how to address this with their spouse well we do have a responsibility for the words that we speak 
And so we need to make sure that when we do bring things to our spouse, that we're doing it with the right heart. Again, again, it's like with criticism. Is my heart that I want to hurt my spouse or is my heart like I need to be honest about some things that are hurtful or frustrating to me because I want our marriage to be better? So that first of all, that just would be take an account of your own heart and the motives behind it. Secondly, it might be good for you to process it with someone that you trust. Maybe it's a counselor, a marriage mentor, or a good friend that you feel like I could be honest about some things and just say, I've got a lot of feelings and thoughts. I want to talk to my spouse about it, but I want to do it the right way. I want to do it with the right spirit, the right heart. I want it to be productive and maybe process that. Journaling could be really helpful too. Just kind of write some things down, think things through um, before you just go and throw it all up on your spouse. That, that would not be helpful. Okay, what do you say to the spouse who feels like their spouse is contemptuous toward mm-hmm. them, but maybe it, it hasn't come out yet? It's been like for that spouse, how do they address it? Because it, isn't it true, Tracy, that sometimes your feelings could be leading you astray? You might feel like your spouse hates you or is contemptuous or, you know, the a look they give you or a word they say or whatever. And so some of this might even be with spouse partner B, who is who's has these feelings that their spouse is contemptuous partner a but but they've never actually broached the subject what would you say to that spouse well yeah you've got to be honest you got to be able to come and to phrase it in such a way just like and use the i feel because statements like i just feel like when you when you said this that made me feel like this or i feel like sometimes the the facial expression the rolling of the eyes or your body language just seems like you're just so annoyed with me can we talk about that? Like, is that true? Like, let's get it out on the table. I mean, again, I think that's part of the problem here is spouses think you think you're masking it. You think you're, you know, sweeping things under the rug. You're not, you're going to react to those emotions and thoughts that you have. And, you know, it'll snowball from criticism to then contempt. And if you are feeling that from your spouse, it would be better to say, this is just how I'm feeling. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is how I feel when you do X, Y, or Z, or I notice this, this, or this, can we talk about that? Are we okay? And, and get it out on the table. Yeah. Some couples don't, haven't really developed the skill of communication. And so what happens is you, if you leave this up just to your imagination, it, you might, it might be worse in your mind than it really actually is. You might find that you go to your spouse and say, I I feel like you treat me with contempt. Is that how you really feel? And they might be horrified to hear that. Say, mm-hmm. not at all. I love you. Well, then why do you look at me like this? Or why do you mm-hmm. say these words? So many just misunderstandings can happen because you're you you're not developing that skill of communication where we're coming together saying, look, we're on the same page. We love each other. We're gonna fight for this marriage. You know, some sometimes that means awkward conversations. And sometimes those conversations go better than you would have expected. And it really sort of answers some of those questions. Maybe that's just a, an imaginary demon in your own mind, and it's not really happening. You won't know if you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So horseman number one is criticism. Horseman number two is contempt. The third one is defensiveness. So Tracy, these all kind of just pile mm-hmm. on one another, right? Sometimes criticism can lead to contempt in one spouse, and it might even really obviously lead to defensiveness in another. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be on the receiving end of criticism or complaint. 
even, even if your spouse is coming to you saying it as productively as they can, it's our default is always going to be to be defensive, to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, to be reactionary when our spouse says like, Hey, that was hurtful or that was disappointing when you said or did this. But it's so important that if you want a healthy marriage, that you fight the urge to just always be defensive when your spouse comes to you, that you have ears to hear and a soft and enough heart to say, like you said earlier, Brian, you're walking shoulder to shoulder to shoulder, your partners in this journey together, you want to bring out the best in one another. So if your spouse comes to you with a complaint or a concern or hurt, that you fight the urge to be defensive, to deflect, to make it about them, to make excuses and just say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I didn't, I, and sometimes it might be a misunderstanding or you didn't even mean to do that, but I hear that that was hurtful to you. And I'm sorry that you just choose to not deflect and turn it back on your spouse. And you can see, and I'm sure you've experienced this couples at different times. If you are married to someone that's always defensive and you're bringing your concerns, it just, I mean, communication breakdown happens right away. And that's why a lot of marriages that can't get to that place of, you know, taking ownership of your own stuff and working and growing and learning and changing together, couples end up divorcing and then they just go to the next relationship and do the exact same thing. Right. Because the, because the inner quality that leads you to be defensive isn't being dealt with. So Tracy, let's dig down on that just a little bit. What is that inner quality? What's behind defensiveness? What is that inside a person who's super defensive? What is it about that? Maybe our couples could even just be thinking about that right now. Think about a person that you know, who's very defensive and maybe start making a list of adjectives that describes that person. Tracy, what would what would be some of those adjectives? And and maybe the better question is, what is it about a person who's not defensive? What does it what quality does a person have in order to be not defensive? What is that person like? Yeah, I mean, a def- defenses is is a protection of our ego, right? It's it's preserving our self-worth. It's guarding our insecurities. So defensiveness really comes from a place of insecurity that you, in your heart of hearts, maybe doubt yourself. Maybe you know that you have some failures in your ability to communicate or whatever your spouse is bringing to you. And it just kind of hits that sensitive point And you just feel like accepting that or receiving that feedback or acknowledging that means I'm just, I'm a weak person. I'm less than a person that can receive you know, constructive complaint (laughs) or constructive criticism is someone that's able to recognize as like, I am not perfect. And I am on a journey of learning and I want to grow and I want to, and I, it's okay. It's okay for me to acknowledge that I don't have it all figured out. And I think sometimes, sometimes there might even be some mental health issues involved in that where the person that's defensive just may, there just may be some really deep rooted hurts there that they just aren't capable of receiving constructive criticism or feedback in any way. Okay, so partner A is bringing in in loving, uh, what do we call it? Not not criticism, a loving complaint. (laughs) They're bringing a loving complaint to partner B, partner B's defensive. Mm -hmm. What would you say to partner A? How, how can they if they recognize that in their spouse, they see that there's defensiveness, they see 
an insecurity. They're aware of it. I mean, our spouses know us better than anyone else. So they're aware of this. They, they get it. But that doesn't mean they know how to fix it. So they, they, they're, they're saying, I don't know how to bring something to my spouse without them being defensive because they've got insecurities, they've got fears, they're afraid of rejection. They're going to think of it as criticism, even though I'm doing everything I can to make it not critical. I just, I, I love them. I want to help them, but they need to hear this. What would you say to partner A? How can they bring something to their spouse who's defensive? Well, a couple of things would be, number one, just make sure that you speak encouragement and love and that your spouse knows that even though sometimes there's frustrations, that you love them, that you care about them, that you're for your marriage, you're, you're in it to win it with them. You know, the other thing maybe when you're not in a time of conflict is, hey, can we reflect on that last argument we had? I really feel like I tried to be productive in the way I framed that, but yet we kind of got at the same place we always get. How can I bring my frustrations or concern to you that you could receive? And again, sometimes, and in a lot of cases, it might be good to also invite another person or couple into it to kind of help navigate that or be able to say like, hey, person B, I feel like person A really communicated that in a kind way, presented it just in an I feel because statement, and you're still being very reactionary to that. What's going on there? And let somebody else kind of be in the mix of accountability of saying the same thing that maybe you're saying or seeing. What do you say to person B who's listening? And maybe even just this podcast has been an eye opener for them. They're having an epiphany now. They're saying, I, you know what I realize? Yeah, I, I, if I'm really honest, and a lot of times we're honest when we're not in the middle of the conflict, but in the middle of the conflict, it's hard to be self-aware. It's hard to admit it. It's hard to humble ourselves. But maybe you're just sitting here, you're driving in a car, you're listening to this, and it's dawning on you, this is me. I am defensive, and I've put my spouse in this position, kind of a lose-lose position because I'm so defensive. What do you say to the person who's kind of having a little bit of, a, of an epiphany today, recognizing they've got insecurities, recognizing they're, they're, they do have some fears underlying, that they're afraid of rejection, whatever the reason, they don't want to be vulnerable. What would you say to that person? How do they sort of prepare themselves to be like the better version of themselves? Well, the first thing is, I think being honest with your spouse and being able to acknowledge that would be huge. I mean, that's a trust building exercise. If you recognize that you are defensive and every time your arguments tend to be that your spouse brings a concern in a productive, is in a pretty productive way, not that they're perfect at it every time, but just every time you're just always looking to deflect or to make excuses or to say, that's not true, or I don't receive that or whatever, to go to your spouse and be able to say, like, I know that's something in me and I need to grow in that and I'm going to need your help and invite your spouse to kind of walk with you in that. I also think it's great, again, to, to have somebody else outside the marriage that you can go to and say, I've got some insecurity things here. I've got some stuff that I feel like I'm afraid to acknowledge that I'm not perfect, <laughs> or I don't have it all figured out. And I, I want to grow in my ability to not just choose to just go with what the natural response is that I just defend and deflect. For some of you, maybe again, like there might be a more of a deep rooted uh, mental health piece to that, then professional counseling would be really good for you to figure out why is it what about my history, my 
growing up, different experiences that taught me that acknowledging wrong means I'm weak or not worthy. Okay. Horseman number one is criticism. Horseman number two is contempt. Horseman number three is defensiveness. And finally, the fourth one, and by the way, this is just a framework. There's There are more things, mm-hmm. communication problems that can destroy your marriage. But these these were four that Gottman in his studies, he's really identified these four. But the fourth one is stonewalling. Tracy, what is stonewalling all about? And what are we, what are we supposed to do about it in our marriages? Yeah, this is the person that just shuts down and refuses to talk about it. I mean, and so for some spouses, it might be that you just kind of lash out and puke up your, whatever you want to say to your spouse and your anger, whether it's contempt or criticism, whatever. And, and then you just shut down and you just say, I said what I wanted to say. And now I'm done with this conversation. I mean, you can see from that, how that is not going to bring about healthy communication in your relationship at all. For some of you, maybe it's your spouse comes at you in a way that you don't like as much, not as comfortable, like we were talking about a few minutes ago. And so instead of engaging, you just, you just shut down and you don't, you don't ever address it. And so you just have all these different issues that come up that you never address because one or both of you stonewalls and just refuses to engage, refuses to say, we need to talk about that. That argument we had last night, we said some things that were not nice. We need to address that. Stonewalling will disrupt any healthy communication because you can't, you can't resolve conflict if you don't have two people willing to come to the table and say, let's talk about it. So this one was my, was, was the one I was good at. If you were critical, I was a stonewaller. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think all four of these, I, every human being probably has each one of these to some extent, but this is the one that I had to really learn to get over it. You know, for a lot of people, Tracy, isn't it true that maybe this part of this might be temperament, part of this might be what you saw growing up. Part of this might be you're a guy. I think this one tends to be, I bet you men tend to be stonewallers more. I don't want to put a blanket statement on that, but I bet you it's, you know, 60, 40 men to women in terms of stonewalling. I I think a lot of guys might think this is a manly thing to do is I'm just going to shut down emotionally. What would you say to the, the guy who thinks that? No. The, the braver, stronger thing to do is that both of you could come to your spouse and say, that wasn't good. I was wrong in some ways. You were wrong in some ways. Let's get this figured out. Because like I said, this is what, this is what, why these, this is one of the four horsemen. If, if you just stonewall and shut down, like I said, there's going to come a point where your spouse is going to be like, forget it. I'm not going to fight for this relationship alone. You never talk about it. You refuse to engage with me. So, so what's the point? There's no hope. Okay. So what's the proper way to address stonewalling? What would you say to the part? Let's say partner A is the stonewaller. Partner B like is so used to this pattern. What would you say to partner B? What does that person do when they're, when they get stonewalled over and over? Because this seems like probably to them, it seems hopeless. They're like, I've tried to talk about it. And the problem is that they stonewall. So what can partner B do? So partner B can just say, Hey, listen, I really want to talk about this. I feel like you're shutting me out. You're shutting down. What do we need to do to make it comfortable for you to want to engage in that conversation? Sometimes for the stonewaller, maybe taking a timeout is helpful for you. So, so it's like you make a promise to one another, like, okay, because a lot of times one spouse is more verbally 
able to process quicker and in like real time can come up with things very quickly. And sometimes the other spouse is like, I can't process that fast. I don't know what I'm thinking and feeling and all this information. We're having this conversation now. we're fighting and saying all these things. I need some time to like reorganize my thoughts. So that's where for the stonewaller, it might be a good exercise to say, let's take a time out for 30 minutes. We're both going to kind of go and reorder our thoughts and figure out what we want to talk about and what we're really thinking and feeling. And then we're going to come back together and talk about it. That might be a, just a very basic thing to help the stonewaller to be like, okay, your natural thing is I want to shut down. I'm not comfortable. I don't want to go here. I don't see anything productive coming from it. But partner B can say, okay, I'm going to give you space because I think you maybe you need some space, but will you make the commitment that you're going to come back? You're not going to just leave the conversation. We never address it. We'll take a time out, but we're going to come back together. We agree to come back together at a certain time to talk some more. Okay. So we've, we've talked about these four horsemen of the apocalyptic marriage that seems like it's just about ready to end. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling. Tracy, what would you say to the couple who they've listened to this whole podcast and now they're saying, I don't know if it's worth it. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'm hearing what you're saying. I just think we have too much of this at play. I'm, I'm too frustrated. It's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of effort. I, maybe we're just not a good match. We're, we're talking, let's say, to a couple right now who's married. What do, you, what do you say? Maybe let's end on a note of encouragement for that couple, because this has been a hard topic for some people. They're, they're wrestling through some of this stuff in real time in their marriage. What do you say to the couple who just wants to give up on it? Well, our value is that marriage is a commitment for life. And so my challenge is I, I, I mean, I've worked with a lot of couple over the couples over the years. I know stories can be really hard. Um, so I don't say this lightly. It is going to be hard work, but it's, it's being true to the promises that you made on the day that you chose to marry that person, that there were things about one another that you loved enough to say, let's get married. So how do we, how do we need to kind of reorient some things in our heart, in our words, in the way we look at each other to say, we got to make some changes. And again, like I said, for some couples, it really might be beneficial to go to a professional counselor to kind of help you untangle some things and, and just continue to grow in some self-awareness and, and where these areas that maybe you both are struggling. But a healthy marriage is worth fighting for. And, and I promise that if you guys can work at that, and your communication can be healthier, then you'll see that marriage doesn't have to be that hard. Because when when the conflicts come, you're going to have the right skills to say, okay, we're not going to do the way we used to do it. We're not going to do these four things that we've talked about today. We're going to practice our I feel because statements. We're going to be active listeners with the heart that I want to understand you, my spouse. I want to love you better. I want to, to honor you. I want to treat you with respect that you deserve. And when you're both doing that, Marriage can be much, much easier 